Hello, everybody. Hi there. Welcome to the 3BY podcast for this uh, week, month, day, whatever it is. We, we don't do normal intervals because we never know exactly when we're going to be recording. It's a beautiful day as we're recording right now. Um, we are uh, we have just left the Happeningburg of Fairfield, Iowa. Fairfield, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, is kind of on the way to a lot of places we end up going. So, and they have great food. We're both vegetarians when it comes to we don't eat mass-produced meat. Like, no. So Fairfield has a lot of vegetarian options. No, we're not anti-meat. We're just not into letting people like from the factory meat. No. Commercial food industry handling my meat is not my first choice. No. We were discussing, as we left Fairfield, how it was a really interesting place. And it also shows up the dichotomy and the difference in the types of, of people and the expectations of people, the behavior of people that are from here, the Midwest, and also who are coasters from the East and West Coast. Because Fairfield has both. Unlike most towns in the Midwest, now you'll see this more in, in uh, major college towns like Iowa City or Columbia or Champaign, or any of the major college towns, unless to a lesser extent, the smaller uh, state schools. You'll see you'll see more of a international student community. But Fairfield has something that's totally different. It is the home of Maharishi Inter- International. It was founded by the Maharishi Yogi. They took over an old closed college campus and slowly but surely. Over the last 20, 25, 30 years, they've been demolishing the old campus and built, rebuilding the buildings with buildings that have proper, what is it, chi? I think it's key. Key. Proper key. Flow uh, of energy. The flow of energy in the building meets the yada yada whatever. It's clean and healthy. Yeah, that's stuff. Cleansing. New age yeah, you got it. On the one hand, it's... To us who are not Maharishi people, we <laughs> think it's a little silly. But on the other hand, I got to admit, the buildings they're building look pretty cool. I mean, they're they're really kind of neat looking. And they're, the people they attract have eat at good restaurants. So. Yeah, they they lots and lots and lots of restaurants. Lots a food. town the size of Fairfield, I don't know exactly how big Fairfield is. Five six thousand, you know, something like that. Would usually have one or two local restaurants, and then. A smattering of, you'd get a Subway, maybe a Mickey D's. This area, probably a Hardee's. On the West Coast, you call them called Juniors. There's probably one of those, although they're they're not as quite as popular. You won't see a Wendy's in a town that size. You'll see a Taco Bell. Um, so this is the kind of thing that you would see. That's not what you see in Fairfield. Fairfield has 35 or 40 restaurants in it. Okay. Which in itself, for a town in the Midwest, is just you just that's unheard of. That's the kind of restaurants you have in a town ten times that size, and it makes you wonder why is that. Now, yes, Maharishi International uh, is there. It's a it, it is a it's a college, so they do have students that go there. So you would expect more restaurants than maybe a typical town of five thousand, but not thirty five or forty restaurants. That's just unheard of. Which tells me that people who live in Fairfield eat out a lot. This is not typical of Iowa. Okay, I'm, this, this is where we're coming from. There are two kinds of people that live in Fairfield. 
There are the local family been there a hundred years, Iowegians. And then there are the Maharishi's people, who are who are fairly normal, I'd say, in most ways. Mm, on the new AGN. Uh, on the new AGN, which, you know, you know, they're the typical, I don't even want to say tree huggers, because they aren't really tree huggers. They're more, if you were to go to Sedona, Arizona, which we've been there, yeah. this is the kind of people that you would see in Sedona, Arizona. The uh, upscale new age crowd. With money. Yep. They're All from right. the coast. They got a lot of money. They are liberal politically. And they are exceedingly self-absorbed. Entirely self-absorbed. Without realizing it. Yeah. Because they see themselves as being more international. They are more accepting of people of, of difference of some kinds. They're not very accepting of people of a more conservative mindset, but and lots of other kinds of diversity there. I say Iowa isn't even a conservative state. Let's get, get the, Iowa's as not, the Midwest goes. It's, it's not as the Midwest goes. It's actually kind of a blue state. So just keep that in mind. They they went red this last election. Their governor's red, but they're kind of a blue state. So. You know, keep that in mind when you're talking about Iowa. They're much more liberal than, let's say, Missouri is. So what does this have to do with prepping? Community dynamics. That's where it, it just reminded us that we wanted to talk about community dynamics. And we're going to go, we're going to do something a little, I think it's fun. Because obviously if it really happened, it would be horrible. You know, we're always going on about how this is not about Chatwalkie, you know, the world as we know it. It is not about a blank hits the fan situation or without rule of law situation because we, we don't. That's not what most of the 3BY project is no, about. we're not about that. But today it is. We're going off the deep end. We're, so, we're, we're going to take a right on down the rabbit hole just for fun. Sometimes seeing how it is, or might be on the extreme ends can give you some sort of feel for what you might see under less extreme conditions as well. Because we saw the... The beginnings of the cracks of community structure while we were in the New Age grocery store. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we stopped at the New Age grocery store. It's actually a nice little store, way overpriced, but they got a lot of stuff there that you can't get elsewhere. Like I said, we, we're kind of vegetarian-type people, and we, I don't want to say we're New Agey health food-type people, but we do like, you know, organic stuff. And Your average grocery store in the Midwest does not order offer bulk Ayurvedic Massage oil, as I just saw in that shop. Massage oil? Seriously. Organic? Seriously. Okay. Well, anyway, pressing right along, I didn't see that one. But it's a good grocery store, way overpriced, but we go there anyway, whenever we're in town. But go ahead and tell them the story. Tell them, tell them what you saw. When you interact with people in that store, you can always tell which ones come from Iowa families and which ones are coastal transplants associated with Maharishi just because of the groove of your interaction with them. The uh, people from Iowa will look you in the eye when they're talking to you. They're smiling like they mean it. And they do. They're friendly. Because they're Iowegians, and Iowegians are nice. When they ask how you're doing, they'll actually stop to give you a chance to insert an answer. And listen. <laughs> Rather than just not asking at all or, or rolling over. They are much more... It's not only about friendly. It's much more about there's an expectation that you 
can and should interact with strangers as if they're real people, not just objects in the environment that you're working with. It's not the same to go to a self-checkout register and press buttons as it is to hand things to somebody who's running a register. What we're seeing is two different two different types of people. Now, admittedly, some of the people in Fairfield are way on the far end of the spectrum in some areas. Far um, end of the socio-political spectrum. Yeah, spectrum, not even the socio-political, but the, the, you know, the new AG, you know, okay. But their attitudes and their way of dealing with others are very typical of coasters. You know, the brusque, yeah, who are you and why should I care? Thing. They don't interact with strangers. They're not trying to be unfriendly per se, and they're not trying to be nasty to you, certainly. No, not at but all. But it just isn't a part of their inherent mindset that they would have a real reason to pay attention to you or deal with you as a real human being rather than as somebody with which they have a transaction to conduct. They look through you, not at you, unless you have something they want. Now, why, why are we bringing, what's the point? What is the survival aspect of what I'm talking about? What's going to happen when you put these kinds of communities under stress? Exactly. What will happen in Fairfield when that community, let's just assume a Teotihuacan happens. We're going to make it, we're going to make our, our assumption event a really nasty one. We're talking about uh, multiple EMP full blackout long-term scenario. Normally, I would say Iowa is a very good place to be in that sort of situation. True. But there's going to be some places I would not want to be in Iowa, and Fairfield would be one of them because of the dichotomy of the people there. It's going to turn bad fast. Because of the hairline cracks you can see in the community when you just interact with them. Any kind of stress takes a hairline crack and pops it wide open. To me, when I've thought, of, I've thought a lot about these scenarios. I'm going to, I'm, like everybody else, I'm writing, going to write a book or a series of books on my take on the EMP or grid down scenario. Just everybody does it. Mine will probably be horrible and you'll never read them, but I'm going to do it. Uh, he's actually written a book or two yeah, in the well, past, so uh, yeah. it's not as much of a pipe dream as he might be making it sound. I am a journalist and professional writer, so. Um, but anyway, besides the point, what I see happening is in, in a, if, it, if, it, if, it, if we have a grid-down situation, if it goes boom, the cities are just going to they're going to go off the rails, okay? If you're in a city, and by city, I mean suburbs as well. To us, city people or anybody that lives in, within the grouping of the city, things are just going to go bad, and it's going to be faster than you, anybody would expect, I think. It's just going to, no, you don't want to be there. I personally believe that if you are in a city, you are not going to make it if you're not got somewhere to go and you don't get get on your way there within the first 24 hours you're not going to make it i understand a lot of people are out there planning to shelter in place for and for almost every other event that you can imagine that's fine you'll do great short-term events short-term events you'll be fine 
regional events, you'll be fine because the rest of the country will help. We did help Katrina. You know, we did help the uh, Hurricane Andrew people. We did help the Joplin tornado people. We called in the clans and everybody came running. But if it's a massive grid down scenario, it's tough because there is no cavalry. There is no cavalry, and it's going to get. It's going to turn. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. And the food is very, very, very limited. It's very, very, very limited in the cities. The primary difference between what we think of as rural and what we're seeing as cities, or the, I'll speak for myself here, the dependence on services provided from the outside, and water, sewer, food. Right. Period. Sewer you can work around. Water's tough, and food is pretty unworkable. You know, uh, to me, now if I'm a if I'm a survival-minded person, several things to me are non-starters. And I know some of you people listening are I'm just going to be in a situation where you can't do anything about it or you don't agree with me. But if I'm a survival person, I do not live a place that I cannot get water, like out of the local pond. I just don't do it. Worst case scenario for us, if we have to get water to drink, there's a bunch of ponds in town. And if that doesn't work, there's two reasonably sized lakes within Tricycle a very distance. short bike ride of us. I mean, very short mile. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to those long miles. As opposed to those long miles, which is what happens. Miles are long if you walk them and short if you ride them on a bicycle. Yeah, we've got a trike that could carry significant water storage, so that makes it a short mile. Not surprisingly, we have a trike that can do that because we're preppers. But anyway, if you don't have water and a way to filter it, you're going to be in real bad shape in a real hurry. And, of course, your neighbors have to have it too because if they don't have it, Things are going to go really bad. I think a lot of people have in this mind the shelter-in-place thing. And if you have all kinds of supplies, I mean, if you are just set on your supplies, absolutely set, and if you have all the water you're going to need, and if you can play possum so nobody knows you're there, and if you can defend yourself, and if you know, there's lots of and-ifs. Maybe you make it. Sounds like a poor way to live. In the city, yeah, but I mean, that's not at all what I have in mind. The situation we're in is a lot different because we live in a town, let's say it's about 2,000 people, more or less. Our county has about 5,000 people in it. We're in North Missouri somewhere. I'm not going to really say where, but we're in North Missouri. Uh, We're in an agricultural community that has a lot of agricultural assets. And yes, if there was a big EMP, we would lose a lot of our agricultural assets. But we also have a lot of really old farm machinery sitting around. So we could plant and harvest. Oil would be very difficult to... It would, oil and gasoline would be, would be a really real big problem. We'd have to really limit that. But we have some grain silos sitting around at any given point in time, too. So yeah, there would be a, a, a grace period before we, things got... We plant... Desperate and grow a lot more food, a ton, not a ton, a lot more than a ton, more food than what we consume. 
even in a grid down Tiatwaki situation, that doesn't change. Yeah, let's still we be food, food producers. We have water. And we are well off the path of... Um, ravening hordes from population centers. Yeah, the ravening hordes. We're well, I mean, you got to turn down a lot of different roads to get to where we are. And not only that, we are a homogeneous community. And I don't mean all we are, we're all just one race, but we're all one people. I would kind of correct that. We are two that get along very well and are likely to continue to get along well. Are two? The Mennonites. Yes, but yeah, I, I conclude that yes. you're, you're true. She is true. I, I include them because they're up. They're part of us. They really are. Yeah, but mentally they, they are, but they would be taking care of each other. But they would take care of us, and we'd take care of them, too. Yeah, but mostly. We are brother would, communities, yes. Yeah, uh, we also, yeah, half of our county, or almost half of our county, is Mennonite. We have some Amish, too. Um, and for those not familiar with the Mennonite community, they are a strong community. They are very um, family community. There's strong family intermarriages. Um, and so you might have a, a family with five brothers marrying five sisters. Now, they're very careful not to marry close relatives. You know what I'm saying? It's not that kind of a deal. They actually send people, have yeah. young adults going to other Mennonite communities in other areas to keep the genes flowing, as yeah. you might say. So we're not trying to make cast any aspersions on these guys. They're no, good no, neighbors. We like them. They're neighbors. We, we like them very much. But they are very much interlinked in each other's lives day to day. They are used to taking care of each other when anybody has an emergency of any size. They have a fantastic emergency relief organization. Oh, yeah. That, it's, they just shut down. The community shuts down what they're doing that day, and they go to help. And they go to help whether it's one of their fellow church members, one of their extended family, or just anybody. Yeah. They're strong on the fire departments. They're strong on the rescue squads. They're strong in the um, supporting community uh, charities. If you're out there sandbagging a levee, the uh, Mennonite women will be serving you plenty of food. And you're going to be, be lots of guys passing, from the Mennonite community the on the line with to you. The, to the Mennonites and the Amish. Yeah. Because they're just good, solid people. Yeah. All right? So there, they, there is a difference. Yes. There, will, there are I'll two communities, that. but we're so comfortable being inter... Those communities are so comfortable being interlinked with each other. It's not a much of a stress point. I don't see it as being a problem. Fairfield... Uh, Maharishi people and Fairfield, mid-Iowa people, are not really integrated communities. It's one kind of nestled inside the other, and there's an obvious break in continuity when you cross the community lines. You can tell you've done it just by what kind of establishment you're in and who you're, how people treat you there. Yes. My next... My next tick I'm ticking off is, we are also a community that has limited opportunities for young people. So we're a community where people, a lot of the young people, will go to school, they'll go to college, 
and then they'll go off on and, and do their thing. To get a job and somewhere where they can get a job. Where we live. And that'll always be home in their hearts as where they grew up. But they'll bring the grandkids home to visit grandma and grandpa. They're not going to live with us. So let's say we have a Tiatwaki situation. Those people, those kids, you can always tell you're not well, all the bike riders. We just passed a bike rider. Those kids who have the grandkids and stuff like that, those kids will be welcomed home in a Tiatwaki situation by the entire community without question because they're ours. We saw them play football. We saw them play in the band. They were, they, yeah, they were the at the high school events when we were out at the high school. They checked us out at the grocery store. They're cool. In you come. Those people are going to be welcome. But that's it. Nobody else will. People have a misunderstanding that if they bug out, they will go to somewhere where they can. I'm going to tell you, if your plan is to bug out into a small, isolated close-knit town and you don't have any roots there you're not going to get past the roadblock set up three miles outside of town they're going to turn you around and send you the other way because they don't they don't want anything from you unless you're a doctor unless you're a nurse or a veterinarian or a (laughs) a veterinarian a blacksmith unless you have something that they need, you're going elsewhere because we don't want to feed you. And they'll feel bad about it, but not bad enough to put their own people at risk by taking in strangers. As a matter of fact, uh, I do more work at the place than Salty does because I have more, my work schedule is a lot more accommodating to that sort of thing than his work schedule is. But when I'm talking to people up in, it's a couple of counties over. When I'm talking to people in that area, I am always casually happen to mention that we're from our little town because everybody in that region has heard of our little town. Yeah, we're locals. M- making it, and I do whatever business I can there, making it clear that, yeah, we would count as locals. We're not actually from their county, but close enough. We're from the area... The kids from our school play football against the kids from their school. And that counts. You know what I'm saying? That does count. But it's not, we're not the city hunters who have the cabin and come up twice a year to hunt and then leave again. Uh, I do not think the reception of the city hunters, if they bugged out to somewhere in our county near the place, I don't think their reception would be as warm and welcoming as would our reception if we bugged out to the place for that reason. Here's something that we know. It's something that we know intrinsically. If, and heaven forbid, we get into a shit... Excuse me. Sorry. Trying to keep it G-rated. A shoot hits the fan <laughs> situation. We will have a choice to make. Hmm. Do we stay in town? Or do we go to the place? Because whichever one we choose, we will lose the other. Yeah. It's 
It's just going to happen. We'll have to choose. A significant bike right away. Right now, we don't. it's not a choice. We, the place is not developed enough. Yeah. We're working on it, but it's not developed enough. Um, with almost the only real exception with that being, and there is one exception where we would choose the place. And that's an isolation pandemic situation. Yeah, that we expected to last a few months. Yeah. Then we'd probably choose the place. Yeah. And that's, we think personally, of all the really bad situations to happen, that's much higher on the list than a lot of the others because they do happen. You know, we're, most of our prepping workflows for, is for the things that are most likely to happen. So I just wanted to give you people kind of a heads up that, that you know, you're, if you live in the city, and chances are you do, because most people do. 90% of America lives in the city, more than 90%. So probably 9 out of 10 of you live in the city. And by the city, I do mean the suburbs. They count. Because no. they are equally dependent on services. I, I'm always shocked when I visit suburbs. I can't do it, yeah. They don't have gardens. I mean, they have gardens, but there's just flowers in them. I like flowers. Bees are my friends. But it astounds me to see people with that much space, and when you talk to them, they're talking about liking to live out in the country, enjoying having some land, wanting to get out on the weekends and be in the fresh air and stuff, and they grow absolutely none of their own food, or and very little else. That's just odd to me. Yeah, and we're not trying to put anybody down, per se. No. It's not it's that. It's not just we want you mindset. to, to realize that, different. you know, if you want, if you're thinking about bugging out, you've got to have somewhere to go, and you've got to have it ready, and you've got to get there fast. And you really should make connections there. Absolutely. So you're known. Absolutely. And it kind of would probably go without saying that, Make yourself known without people being tempted to add a cuss word at the end. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hello, Iowegians on bikes. Lots of Iowegians on bikes. Somebody about to drop off the back because he's getting yeah, tired. I imagine we would be surprised to see a couple back here. Yeah. Yeah. Iowa is a bike capital of the Midwest, which is we find a very good thing since we ride bikes. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. So is there anything else? You... <coughs> I got the coughs now. Is there anything else you want to add? Do we wrap it? Make your connections. Make your connections. That's yeah. my end word on this topic. Yeah, because you're not if you you're not getting in. You're not coming to my town and getting in. It's just not going to happen. It's in not that they're hateful or violent. It's just our that town they... is no different than any other. Yeah, I could pick a town on a map. Whether I just I'm just throw out a few Missouri names that I happen to know. Tipton, uh, Rocheport. Marceline. You can look all these places up in the map. They're just little dots on the map to you, right? Any of those towns. So they'll just pick three random places. Rocheport's going to have the same kind of split that Fairfield is. But you're not getting in there. Nope. That's what I'm saying. Any of these towns. I can go over to Illinois and get in list, list towns. Just the same thing. Menden. They or won't have things to, to sell to you that they would have to sell to the person who's lived two blocks away from them their whole life. Exactly. They'll find it in their stock room. 
when and it's for somebody from their community. If you're just some random person living in a house that just came in, you know, that's going to be a lot harder than, oh, yeah, well, that's so-and-so's kid. She graduated back in 99. Fine. I'm telling you, those people will have no problem. But you, you just got to go ahead and think about this stuff. All right? That's what we got to say. So we're going to wrap this one up, and we'll catch you next podcast.